81% of employees worldwide would prioritize good mental health over a high paying job. And 64% of those surveyed admitted that they would actually take a pay cut for a job that better supports their mental wellness. And I didn't expect that number to be so high. Are you a business leader looking for strategies and tactics to help you navigate leadership and HR challenges as you scale? Each week on While We Were Working, we bring you our 35 plus years of experience doing exactly this for companies just like yours. For more game-changing HR and leadership insights and to connect with us, check us out at whilewewereworking.com. This week's episode of While We Were Working is brought to you with the support of our friends at Monday.com. At Jumpstart, we use Monday.com, and I wanted to highlight three ways that we're using it that you should consider too. Uh, The first one is for general project management. Every single project that we do, whether it's client-facing or internal, goes into Monday.com and has its own board. Clients have their own hubs. And internally, we're able to track our goals, big and small. Uh, The second reason that we use Monday is for communication about projects. Now, uh, it's one thing to have a goal, but it's another thing to have a plan. And using Monday.com is our way to track how we're doing with our goals and chat along the way. Um, Not every goal requires one step. Some goals are complex. And so having that communication within this tool is a great way for us to stay on target and tackle some of our big objectives for the year. Uh, And then the last thing, although there are many other reasons why you should consider using Monday, but uh, just the fact that it's so accessible on any device. I can get updates when I'm waiting on my kids and dance practice uh, and check in from my mobile phone. Uh, I've got it set up on my desktop here. So even reading this show notes, um, I've got it on on Monday. And uh, it's a tool that truly meets you wherever you are. So if you're a small business owner or you've got a team of people that could stand to get more organized this year, I highly consider you recommending Jumpstart's partner, uh, monday.com. Check out our our link, try.monday.com dot com slash www for a free trial forever there's a plan that's free with unlimited use uh, but if you do step up and do a paid version you do support our show so we like to highlight the tools that we're actually using and the tools that are partners for our show so check out monday and that's try.monday.com slash www all right let's get into the show all right, thanks for tuning into this episode of While We Were Working. While We Were Working is a show that helps you become a better leader of your small business or small team. I'm Joy Price, founder and president of Jumpstart HR. And as always, I'm joined by my awesome co-host who is the voice of reason. That should be uh, your, your nickname on the pod, but the voice of reason uh, in many in many ways. Uh, Summer Keychon, a consulting practice manager. Uh, what's up, Summer? How's everything going? Hey, Joey. Uh, things are going great. I had to chuckle at that. Uh, I feel like I've been called the voice of reason more than once and probably a couple of other things I can't mention on the show, but uh, I'll, I'll take that one. Let's go into while we were working. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go for it. 
Yeah. And so this week's uh, article that we want to share comes from a company that I not only know and uh, love, but is a company I'm actually on the Workforce Institute. So uh, this is a publish publication from the UKG Workforce Institute. Uh, it's research that says uh, managers have a bigger impact on mental health than uh, your doctor or your therapist. Now, some of you all are saying, of course, my manager has a bigger impact on my mental health than my therapist because I don't have a therapist. But this research uh, pulled thousands of workers who actually uh, do have doctors, do have therapists, and um, the results are stunning. I used to joke when I gave a presentation years ago and I said, you know, I don't want to be the reason why my kids don't go to Harvard. And what I meant by that was, I don't want my job to ruin my mental health so that I, in turn, go stress out my kids or stress out my, my, my wife. Uh, but research is showing that that's actually happening. Um, maybe it's not stopping people from their kids going to Harvard, but it is playing a negative role on our mental health. So, um, Summer, what are some of the findings that stood out to you that you want to talk about? Yes, well, first I'll mention that this is a part two of the global survey report. We we mentioned part one a couple of weeks back. It was the We Can Fix Work episode. And I, I was glad that a second uh, kind of expansion of the data came out and discussion about it because some of the takeaways in this such as you know, managers having the significant impact on mental health. I think part of it was surprising, but not surprising. I think the key takeaways for me were that managers have the same level of impact uh, on us um, in terms of mental health as an individual spouse. And if you think about that, you know, if you have a spouse or partner, you likely lean on them for their support, right? Um, maybe they impact you negatively. I don't know. But to think that a manager, like somebody that you are not in that same type of relationship with, has essentially the equivalent impact, I think that's the part that blew my mind. Uh, but to make it even more staggering, that it's even greater than a doctor's impact or a therapist's impact. And those are the in individuals that, you know, those that are seeking health and uh, help in regards to mental health are seeking out. So it's kind of like, it, it feels like the scales, it, it's kind of a losing battle, right? Because it's like, you can go to a doctor or a therapist, but even if you do, they're going to have less impact than a manager. So without trying to go too deep on this, you know, if I'm a people manager, or if I have managers in my organization, I would be thinking about how important it is for them to have the appropriate training to be able to impact these workers that clearly they have a high level of influence in, how to impact them in a positive and meaningful way, as opposed to the opposite. Oh my goodness, Summer, you, you hit the nail. Of, of just the the duty and the weight that a manager has in the well-being of their team. Um, 
it's so crazy because, you know, we throw around this saying here at Jumpstart about uh, we want people more excited about Monday than they are about Friday. And it seems like this lofty goal, but but really and truly, it's it's everything to do about the fact that we spend so much time at work and uh, work drives so much. It, it drives, you know, our, our take-home pay. It For some of us, it, it drives... Uh, our sense of value, you know, for better or worse, and like who we are to the world, uh, it it drives a lot of our our interpersonal relationships. Uh, there, there's so many factors that play at work, but that most important relationship that a person has at work is with their manager. And so, in another episode in the past, I believe it was in the fall, when we talked about the fact that most managers aren't trained and they're just making it up as they go along. Uh, we have to have an intervention to that because the effects are not only harmful, but we're on record of it being harmful. Um, there's even the uh, the U.S. Surgeon General who said that toxic workplaces is now a national hazard. Uh, so we've got to do something because every survey, every research report, all the findings are pointing back to the relationship that uh, employees have with managers as being critically important and critically uh, interwoven into other areas of life. Um, but now we need to switch gears and figure out, okay, well, what are we going to do about that? So I think you have some steps of what to do, right? I, I do. And and I, I think right before we hop into that, something that I wanted to pick out from the survey that also stood out to me. And hopefully this is a nugget for anybody listening uh, to go and check out uh, the UKG global survey, because there's a lot of other great information. We just simply don't have time to cover, but hopefully this information is enough to make you curious to want to go read more. And one of those takeaways, Joey, was that 81% of employees worldwide would prioritize good mental health over a high paying job. And 64% of those surveyed admitted that they would actually take a pay cut for a job that better supports their mental wellness. And I didn't expect that number to be so high in either, either cases. So again, I think it just strengthens how important it is uh, to ensure that your managers and supervisors are well-trained and equipped uh, to be leading your team and recognize how they they have this ability to highly influence in a positive way, but uh, they also have, you know, they they also have the opportunity to negatively impact them. And so, some quick tips uh, for managers to help your team, and these come out of the survey, is one to provide an empathetic voice. I think, Joey, you and I, we've talked about that so many times, it, and it mm -hmm. seems basic, but it's clear to me that we're still missing the mark in, in some of the opportunities to really connect with our team and help them, help them see that we care and uh, that, you know, we're, we're here for them, that we're able to to help support them through whatever they might be working through. Yeah. And uh, the second one was enable and encourage time off. So Joey, I think so many companies that we've worked with have implemented unlimited paid time off programs 
or they've increased their time off programs. And it's great if you have them, but you need to go a next step further and actually encourage the time, uh, help team members take the time and as leaders set that example and take the time too. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. And, and what's another, another tip that you might have to share? I, I think the last one from this article, and then certainly if you have thoughts, I'd love to hear yours. Uh, again, no surprise because we've, we've said this time and time again, uh, the article says treat employee employees like people. And I've mentioned this on prior episodes as, uh, as caring for the whole person versus just the worker. And that's the concept here is let's not be making decisions and treating our team as a worker. Like we need to have a much broader view in how we interact and how we support them because that's what they're ultimately seeking. And those, those three things that we just discussed provide an empathetic voice. Uh, enable and encourage time off, treat employees like people. Those are pretty basic things that managers can do to yeah. have a more positive impact with their team. So here's the thing, and this is why I believe employers, big and small, have always considered HR to be a cost center and not a value driver. And it's because we've always considered humans as resources and humans as capital. But to your point, treating employees like people helps you start to track and realize the ROI and the return on what happens if I treat a person like a person? Are they more productive? Are they staying at our organization longer? Are they referring people to work at our organization? So once we make this shift uh, collectively to transition from treating people as resources that can be projected and, and plotted on a map or human capital, uh, where we only see their value from the standpoint of, um, you know, their, their, their work product or our assumptions of the work product, that's when we'll really unlock the potential of getting people more excited about Monday than they are about Friday and unlocking those uh, gains in productivity and operational effectiveness that we already know how to track. We're just not setting our organizations up to track those things from the landscape or from the perspective of treating people like people. That's so well said, Joey. I appreciate your thoughts on that. And I'm, I'm hoping that UKG will continue to put out great content such as this survey to really call continued attention to the areas that are concerning, but we do have the opportunity to change. Yeah, I hope so too. And, um, you know, as a, as a member of the Institute, uh, it is a, it is a joy to sit around the table with a lot of really bright, um, folks in different walks of the HR spectrum. Uh, and just to see everyone's committed commitment towards making the workplace better for everyone. Uh, and, and research like this is just another example of that. All right, so we'll go ahead and, and uh, jump into our next segment called Consultants Corner. But before we do, I just want to call out um, monday.com as a tool that you can use that helps people take time off, right? One of the reasons why people don't take off like they could or should is because 
they know when they're when they come back on the other side of that PTO, there's going to be a big plate of work uh, waiting for them. So a lot of people feel like, why well, take the time off if I'm just going to have to uh, to work it all off when I get back? <laughs> but if you are um, using Monday, you're able to document where you are on projects, bring in collaborators, help delegate. And then people can have a stress-free time of taking time off. So we want you to try monday.com. They're a, a partner, they're a supporter of ours. Uh, when you make a purchase through our links, uh, that support our show. So check it out at try.monday.com slash www. Again, that's try.monday.com slash www. All right, let's go ahead and jump into Consultants Corner. And... Um, you know, it, it's always refreshing, at least to me, when we tackle topics like this, because I'm like an educator by nature. And I love teaching things. And even if these are things that you already know or you've been told before, I think it's always good to have a reminder. And so this week's Consultants Corner, where we talk about the good, bad, and the ugly, we're going to be tackling the tangled web of developing leave policies. So we'll share some best practices and things you'll want to consider. Things like what are the different leaves that are avail available to you at your employer size or your type of company, uh, as well as, um, you know, what types of leaves exist out there just in general that you should be mindful of. Maybe as you scale and grow or maybe as you look to uh, recruit and know what what you're recruiting up against. So. Uh, Summer, if you could do us the honors of of maybe talking about uh, the first leave and we'll just take it from there. Sure thing. We've got a lot to cover in a short period of time. So uh, we'll we'll try to get in and, and cover it all in this episode. So first, I'll start with uh, the process and, and our approach that we take internally at Jumpstart when we're working with clients and developing leave policies. And of course, the first thing is to look at what uh, is the federal requirement based on the company size, and then also look at all of the states in which a company has workers to then determine what are the state requirements that may, might be more stringent, um, therefore requiring the company to follow the state requirement as opposed to the federal requirement. And yep. so as you can imagine, if you're in a multi-state environment, you can end up with, you know, three, four, five, or more different requirements that you're trying to, to follow. And so uh, our, our best practice first is that if you're a multi-state employer in that situation and you have multiple leave requirements, to see if it's possible for you to adopt the most generous of one, or if it ends up being adopting that most generous still doesn't meet a requirement or two of another state that you create one practice that encompasses everything, even if it means some of your employees will benefit greater than they otherwise would. Uh, it's best practice to, to take that approach for just ease of administration. Yeah, yeah, ease of ease of administration and honestly um to be a good employer. Uh this was something that we um talked through because Summer you were our our first California employee and um as we were re-evaluating our handbook one of the things that I thought was important for us to consider is, you know, um 
not equity from the standpoint of like treating other people better than others, but um, kind of like why penalize a person living in Maryland because they don't live in California, right? So um, obviously as a, as a decision maker in your organization, you could do whatever you choose to so long as it's by the book and absolutely having, you know, separate policies for your team in, in Texas versus your team in California versus your team in Washington. You know, um, that that is your absolute right. And maybe it's not scalable or sustainable for your business to adopt the most lenient or employee friendly policies across the board. But I will tell you one thing. We found that when it's when we articulate our benefits and uh, what it's like to work with our team, and we mentioned that we pretty much trend with California, and it's someone in Maryland or it's it's someone in Wisconsin or someone in New York, it's like, oh, wow, cool, great. So uh, I'm sharing the secret sauce a little bit, but hopefully it's so that more companies think about figuring out what aspect or what area um, you have the most uh, employee-friendly um, arrangements and try to craft your policies your policy to that. That would be my advice, you know, no matter who you are, uh, because yes, it makes it easier, but also it shows some sort of goodwill uh, as an employer that you're willing to, uh, you know, take the, take the responsibility uh, at your employer size, and I know we'll talk about that, but at your employer size to do what other states are doing um, uh, if if you were in those states because your employees are in those states. Yes, and I, I think where I've seen this come up uh, in regards to a topic of debate is is really answering this question. If you are a business owner, and you have one employee in a state where there's generous benefits, are you going to be okay with that employee having an open, transparent conversation with an employee in another state that doesn't have those benefits? And how is that going to feel not only to those employees, but how is that going to feel as the manager? So I think it is that parity that you discussed, Joey. Employees do talk. Mm-hmm. And if they, they sure feel do. like, uh, somebody else is getting a better, you know, kind of a better deal, if you will. It, it's not going to feel good for anybody involved. And so in the cases where it's it's possible, it is great to be able to adopt those more generous policies. Yeah. So I know we promised talking about the tangled web of developing leave policies, but I think we needed to set it up with that first just to have the foundation. One of the conversations that we have frequent and often is uh, when we're writing leave policies and how to navigate things such as uh, what if you are an employer who doesn't uh, doesn't meet the requirements for needing to offer the federal family medical leave act Um, for those of you who maybe have heard fmla uh, and you know some of the basics in short Um, This is for employers that have 50 or more workers, um, and it is a federal law. And I I should clarify that it's employees can qualify for this leave if they've worked for the company for at least 12 months. Uh, They've completed 1,250 hours over the last 12 months, and 
that where they're actually working has uh, 50 or more employees within a 75 mile radius. So I think the question then becomes, okay, well, I'm a small business that doesn't apply to me. Um, I've also looked at the state requirements and we'll just assume there's no state requirements. So what do I do now? Because it sounds like I don't have any obligations. Joey, do you have any thoughts on what companies might want to do in that situation? Yes, I do. And uh, I can assure you that this is a action item for any small business that created a handbook without the help of a professional, without the help of an HR professional or an attorney. Because Summer, we get handbooks all the time from employers under 50 who have this FMLA designation in their policies and they're setting themselves up to be responsible for policies that they're not uh, obligated to. And it kind of just is our telltale sign of if you've got an FMLA policy in your in your handbook and you're less than 50, what other uh, policies or snafus do you have that we need to take a look at? So it's almost like the cheat code. Like I'm going through these handbooks and I'm looking for the word FMLA in the book. And then that tells me, all right, we're, I know what we're working with here. Um, but if you are an employer who is not subject to FMLA, which um, most most employers in this country uh, are 50 employees or less. And to Summer's uh, point, um, the idea of having to retain an employee for 12 months and then work that, that 12,000 hours, which essentially is the equivalent of about part-time, you know, like 20 hours a, a week or, or what have you. You want to look at what are some steps you can take to be a good employer and provide income support while an employee is out on leave. And so mm -hmm. the thing that we recommend is that you set up a short-term and long-term disability uh, insurance plan so that if someone's out for something that would qualify for FMLA uh, under a larger uh, employee headcount, that's typically going to be something that qualifies you for a short-term and long-term disability. Uh, that's everything from broken arms to uh, carpal tunnel, uh, to um, pregnancies, whether it's um, through uh, normal or, or C-section, um, you want to ensure that your company is providing some form of uh, income support to your employees through the insurance, because if you are also stating somewhere else in your handbook that you'll provide uh, monetary support to your individuals out on leave, then um, if you don't have it through insurance, you're going to be paying it through your uh, through your bank account. So um, definitely, 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 if you don't have your uh, disability insurances, get those set up now because there are um, there you, you'll want to set up like waiting periods and you'll want to set up eligibility dates and you'll need to pay your 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 premiums for them so uh, get get fix your policies and then get your uh, insurances I, I think that's solid advice especially on the pay replacement piece and sometimes where i see some confusion happening when i'm talking with folks about building these policies 
is the distinction of leave and pay. So we were talking about disability to cover the pay component, uh, but but going back just a, a tiny bit, uh, if you are an employer that may not be required to uh, uh, follow FMLA, and let's just again assume that you don't have any state requirements, the question is, you know, what do you do in terms of a leave of absence? And while you can certainly at that point choose to do whatever you want, uh, to do right by your team members that have the need to take a medical leave, you really should consider offering an equivalent medical leave, either with or without job protection. Again, you're not required to offer job protection, but if you do, uh, then I think that that goes a long way with providing your team with a certain amount of security uh, in what what's likely a very difficult situation for them. Uh, but you know, you definitely don't have to. I think one of the important takeaways, though, is that you can't call it FMLA leave if mm -hmm. the employee is either not eligible or you're not an eligible employer. So then, the second leave type that typically comes into play in uh, kind of related scenarios is family leave. So again, if you don't have any federal requirements um, or maybe you're multi-state and you have some requirements in some states but not all uh, regardless you're going to want to think about having a family leave type which could be inclusive of caring for a sick family member it could be for baby bonding it could be for sick crime and safe leave it could be military spouse leave i mean the list can can uh go much longer, but the idea behind this is to have some way to classify your team members who are off of work for qualifying reasons, because in absence of that, it can become very difficult to harness and contain uh, leaves if you don't have well-written policies to enable you to point back on. Yeah. The key is having the policies that are well-written because a lot of companies get um, get jammed up when a manager speaks from the cuff and says something that's not true. Or, uh, you know, um, maybe everyone has to go to the owner for answers, but the owner is not, you know, they're not always thinking about leave policies. And so maybe they're just saying something that, that ultimately wouldn't be true. Uh, or would, would might even be illegal. So um, having the policies written, having clear explanations of, of uh, how to file a claim, when to bring paperwork by, what paperwork is needed, these are the sorts of things that you should include in your leave policies so that uh, your employees are following steps as opposed to just having conversations. Um, the more you can clarify and, and itemize, uh, the better. I just put a little plug in here for one of the items that our team has completed lately for a client was not only writing their leaf policies as part of just a handbook review and leveling up this company, but we also built out an entire leaf packet, like exactly what you were saying, Joey, so that if anybody had a need for a leave of absence, there's essentially a packet of information that could be reviewed forms that were contained within. So it was kind of a one-stop shop for leaves uh, to make it really easy for employees and uh, for 
the leadership team to review the requests and then have them, you know, well documented as mm -hmm. to what's going to happen next in the process. So really cool things can be done here to take them from very complicated and risky uh, to just very, um, you know, very easy to administer um, a solid process that can be repeatable. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So uh, I think we're running up on time here, but it's been a great conversation. We've talked everything from the uh, impact that your boss has on your mental health to uh, taking that conversation one step further about the different types of leave available uh, or that you should be thinking about as a small business employer. Um, so if you have any questions about any of this, or if you have a question that you want to uh, have us talk about on the show, you should reach out to us at hello uh, at jumpstart-hr.com. And if you want to partner with us, if you need some HR services, we're more than happy to have that conversation as well. So reach out to us at jumpstart-hr.com slash contact, and we'll schedule a 15-minute call with you and talk through some options and opportunities to help grow your business. So uh, Summer, it's been another great show and we'll see you all next week. Thanks a bunch. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode. Got more questions? Then make sure you check out whilewewereworking.com for more tips and resources or shoot us a message on social media. See you next week.